son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-patrollable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. sharing the most famous chilling and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy presents Something Happened to My Friend and I Don't Know What to Do. Written by Mystic Eel and narrated by Megan McDuffie. I don't know where else to turn. I've posted this various places online this week and no one will take me seriously. So this is my last hope that someone will listen. Everything started a week ago on a hiking trip with some friends of mine. We enjoyed a particular hobby that would make most people recoil in fear. We would go caving, also called spelunking, in wild caves around the United States a few times a year to get our adrenaline pumping. Now, wild caves are very different than what most people think of when they imagine visiting a cave. The grand passages and giant stalactites that are beautifully photographed in the National Geographic are nothing like the majority of the caves that exist. 
Those are far and few between, and the giant caves that you can pay a fee and get a cool tour walking around in are nothing like what we would visit. These wild caves were hidden from public knowledge and often locked with a metal door or gate to prevent people from wandering in and needing to be rescued. These caves were highly dangerous and were restored and maintained to allow scientists to do research and natural animal habitats to exist without too much disturbance. Since these places were pretty sensitive ecosystems, you had to have connections to be able to get access to explore them. Every state with a decent amount of caves have state workers who will often be partnered with caving societies who can get access to certain caves that weren't home to sensitive animals in exchange for assisting with cave mapping and other restoration projects. People with these connections can explore the caves as long as an experienced caver from that area is with them to help make sure they don't get lost. Now, even though we had been caving for years, we never got too cocky and tried to go without a guide. Wild caves can be terrifying and dark mazes, and a lot of dangerous things can happen. One mistake can leave someone stuck in the dark with no way to rescue them, possibly with broken bones, or worse. Forgetting to bring any of your supplies could mean life or death. A flashlight battery going out without a replacement could lead to falling down a dark passage and breaking your neck. The large majority of caves we visited had at least two long stretches of travel where we were literally belly crawling through mud in tight claustrophobic tunnels where you could barely lift your head up in order to make it to larger cave rooms. Why did we do it? You might be asking yourself right about now. Truthfully, we did it for the feeling of seeing something cool that almost no one else ever could. For the rush of exploring and pushing your body to the max and being rewarded with beautiful sights and amazing adventures. The tourist caves that were frequently invaded by so many people could not ever compare to the untouched beauty of the wild places in the earth. We got dressed and packed our supplies in good spirits, me and my two friends, Matt and David, and went to meet up with our guide, Nigel, at a local restaurant. We had never met before, that being our first time in that state to go caving, so we had a nice dinner and got to know each other beforehand. He was an awesome guy, and we laughed and joked over the meal before going over the cave map in great detail. I am genuinely glad that you guys came to check out the caves around here. I'm excited to get to spend a bit more time in the Ice Creek Cave. I've been through the majority of it, but the map ends here. The rest is unexplored at the moment, he said, pointing to where the lines ended. Why is that? Matt asked. If you guys were running out of helping hands, then maybe we could fill it in a bit while we are here. Nigel suddenly got quiet and frowned a bit, looking uncomfortable. No, it's not that he said, shaking his head. I don't understand it, man, but it seems like this cave tends to give people the creeps. Anyone I've taken in here tends to call it quits pretty early on. I took a group of girls and one guy in there a few months ago, and the guy ended up having a panic attack, saying that 
he couldn't stay in there any longer and had to get out. I don't really understand it, though, personally. I've never had an issue with the cave. David shrugged. Maybe he just got too claustrophobic? I think some people don't expect it to be as restricting as it is sometimes. I've been on a few teams where people have gotten pretty panicked before. Nigel nodded and said, It could be that. The way the guy was acting was pretty alarming, though. He took off like a bullet, crawling on his hands and knees, and nearly fell down the side of a cliff down there, acting like that. Honestly, scared the fucking shit out of me, man. I thought I was gonna have to call a rescue team. I'm glad you guys are pretty experienced, though. This should be a pretty good time. We finished eating and climbed into our cars, heading towards the cave location. What Nigel said was bothering me a bit. I tried not to think about it too much because it was pretty common for people to get scared their first few times in more tight passages. We finished gearing up and headed inside, Nigel taking the lead. The cave itself was pretty basic at first, the humidity skyrocketing as soon as we got inside. People always expect caves to be cold and damp, but when you live in a hotter climate, the caves are hot and humid. We crawled along on all fours in a straight line through many winding passages before getting to a larger room where we could stand up and stretch for a bit. The soupy air had us all pouring sweat, so we took a quick break and all chugged down some water. Dehydration was no joke when you're nowhere near a hospital. A little farther inside, the cave started to change. We crawled along the narrow side of a cliff, overhanging a steep drop to a gushing river underneath. You could shine your headlight across the chasm, and the light would fade out before reaching the other side. Wow! Matt exclaimed, yelling to be heard over the echoing water. The cave was truly a beautiful sight to see, and the trip was going along wonderfully so far. Despite this, there was a strange aura to the place. Something didn't feel right. The air felt too thick and heavy, and I was supporting goosebumps since we went past the first room. I kept shrugging it off, thinking it was just a placebo effect from what Nigel had said about people getting scared. We reached another area where we could stand and strapped into some repelling gear to allow us to safely reach the river below. The passage seemed to go on forever and was one of the bigger caves we had seen for a few years. We enjoyed exploring around the river for a few hours, getting some great photographs and basking in the glory of the hidden treasure before David found a small crevice half a mile down the river. Hey, Nigel, is this area on the map? He yelled, waving the rest of us over to him. Nah, man, I've never gone that way before. We don't have it mapped yet, he said, smiling with a cheeky grin. But I'm down to go if you're up for it. Matt shook his head. No, I'd rather not, guys. I'm getting pretty tired, so I'd rather save my energy for the climb up. You guys can go ahead, and I'll just hang back here and get some more photos until you come back. I was tempted to stay with him, but David goaded me on. Oh, come on, dude. This is a fully unexplored cave. You don't want to miss being the first person to ever set foot in there. And he was right. 
I didn't want to give up the opportunity, despite how wary I was feeling. We headed off down the passage, with David taking the lead and me following behind. Nigel followed last, in case he had to turn around to get help. The passage narrowed quickly, and we left a large gap between each of us in case we needed to retreat at a dead end. The tunnel got so cramped that we were crawling on our knees soon, and then army crawling on our stomachs soon after. The air was so hot and sticky that it made the passage seem even more cramped. At one point, my backpack got caught on a sharp rock above, and it was a struggle to maneuver my arm up my side to free myself. After about thirty minutes of crawling, I was starting to get worried. It was going to be a bitch and a half to army crawl backwards for that long to get out of this tunnel if it didn't start to open up enough to turn around soon. Just as I was starting to get a little panicked, the passage started slowly opening up, and I could no longer see David out in front of me. We all crawled out into a wide open space and looked around in awe. Huge rock formations stretched out in front of us, splattered with gypsum crystals and long, delicate calcium straws. A little trickle of water dripped from somewhere high up in the ceiling that our light wouldn't reach. Oh, cool! David exclaimed. Matt would have loved this. I wish he would have come with us. This would be a beautiful photo. Nigel could visibly not contain his excitement. He pulled some gear out of his bag and started mapping the area, telling us to feel free to explore, but to be careful and stick together. We started climbing around the rocks, checking things out. That's when everything went horribly wrong. There were many large passages out of the main room, full of more amazing rock formations. David slipped into one, and I went into one immediately adjoining it. I heard something strange that sounded vaguely like mumbled whispering, and I shook my head, trying not to let my imagination make me start hallucinating in the dark. I was looking at a little water salamander in a teal underground pond when I heard David scream, Without a second thought, I got up and ran to where he was, gasping in awe at the halite crystals jutting out from the walls down the pathway. As I went further, the air got thicker and harder to breathe. It was so hot that it felt like smoke in my lungs. My head had started to hurt, making me feel dizzy, but I kept going. My heart was pounding, thinking of all the awful things that could have happened. When I finally found David, standing in the middle of the crystal-covered room, staring at his hand. What the fuck happened? I yelled, confused. Why did you scream? He said nothing, and didn't look at me. A sinking feeling punched me in the gut as I noticed his hand was dripping blood. What happened? I repeated rushing over to him and grabbing his hand. It looked as if he had been horribly burned across his entire palm. He didn't answer me, and just continued to silently stare, making quiet, whimpering noises. I was utterly terrified. 
The aura in the room had plunged into this sickening and terrifying feeling, and I felt like I was going to throw up. The rational part of my mind kicked in, and I pulled off my backpack, quickly rummaging through it for a first aid kit. I grabbed his shoulder and forced him to sit down on a rock, began cleaning his hand. Under all of the blood, the skin had been charred nearly to the bone, and the wound was very severe. Oh, fuck, I whispered. How the fuck are we supposed to crawl out of here with your hand like that? He stared at me blankly the whole time I cleaned and bandaged his hand. Luckily, applying pressure for a few minutes was enough to stop the majority of the bleeding. My heart was still pounding from the initial scare, as well as the creepy feeling that was surrounding me. I didn't like the way he was staring at me. David? I know you seem to be in shock right now, but I need you to tell me what happened, I said. Can you do that? He nodded stiffly, not saying a word, but pointing towards the wall behind me. I shuddered and slowly turned around, half expecting to see lava leaking from the wall after seeing how bad the burn was. I stood up and walked to the other side of the room, scanning the crystal-covered area with my headlamp until I saw a strange, circular carve-out in the wall. It was a perfect shallow hole in the wall about the size of an apple. It looked like someone took an ice cream scoop and carved it through the wall like it was butter. Puzzled and terrified, I shined my light inside the hole, being careful not to get too close to it. There was nothing inside at all, just an empty space. What the fuck? I mumbled to myself, looking down at the ground and shuffling my feet. That's when I noticed something strange. A black orb lie at my feet, presumably what was formerly located in the strange hole. I reached out to pick it up before recoiling sharply when the logical side of my brain kicked in and told me not to touch it. How did this burn you? I whispered to David, not taking my eyes off of the orb. He said nothing, just continued to stare at me in a creepy silence. I stared at the orb, trying to make sense of what was going on. My body was screaming for me to get the fuck out of there, but there was some sort of odd feeling compelling me to look at the orb. The more I stared at it, the stronger the feeling got. The light danced on its surface, mimicking glittery flames. An impossibly black shape that somehow seemed even darker than the orb itself was swirling in circles inside it. The urge to touch it was growing stronger and stronger, and I was having to hold myself back from picking up the orb. Suddenly, fear gripped me and I pulled away from the thing, falling down backwards on my butt in the mud. Nausea swelled over me and I leaned over and vomited on the ground, shaking in fear. I crawled backwards, getting as far as possible from the orb, trying to escape the terrifying feeling that was smothering me. I got up and ran over to David, grabbing his good hand and pulling him up, 
We have to get out of here, I said urgently, dragging his zombie-like body behind me. The whole time, I felt like eyes were watching me from every direction. When we reached Nigel, I instantly felt better. I guess having someone else around made me feel more grounded, and less like I was in some sort of fairy tale horror movie. I tried explaining what just happened, but he just stared at me with a skeptical look on his face. He took a look at David's hand and tried to tell me that he must have just burned himself on his lighter or his headlamp. I could feel his judgmental attitude, and it was making me angry. He was thinking that we were just another dumb group of cavers, getting scared and freaking out and ending up injured. Finally, after a few minutes of me trying to explain things, he started packing up his gear and said he was going to go look. Icy, cold fear gripped me, and I started yelling, No! You can't go in there! He paused and looked at me for a moment and I racked my brain trying to think of anything I could say to keep him from going in that room. I wanted to get the fuck out of this cave so badly, and David seemed to be in some sort of state of shock. David needs medical attention! And that was what won him over. He agreed that we needed to get him out of here and to a doctor soon. Nigel pulled a bottle of painkillers out of his bag and handed some to David, asking if he would be okay to crawl back through the tunnel with his hands so injured. David cleared his throat a few times and finally spoke. <clears throat> yes, I will be okay, he said. Dread swept over me. An all-encompassing, overwhelming feeling of dread that was so strong that it made me feel like I was going to pass out. His voice didn't sound like him at all all. It was deeper, more raspy than I had ever heard. Even Nigel noticed the difference because he had a puzzled look on his face for a few moments. He told David to start crawling first and we would follow, and David quietly obeyed. He didn't wince or seem to notice the pain in his hand at all, and it was terrifying me. I lagged as far behind him as possible in the tunnel back to the river. When we came out of the other side, Nigel was nowhere to be found. He went back to that fucking room! I screamed angrily, kicking rocks around. Matt ran up to us, asking what was wrong, and I gave him a brief explanation. I hadn't realized how badly I was shaking until I tried to explain what happened again. Matt looked absolutely horrified. I've had a bad feeling ever since we came in here. I want to get out of here, he said, his voice trembling. We were waiting for Nigel to catch up with us, our hearts pounding hard with fear, when we heard loud screams echoing through the tunnel. We need to get the hell out of here, Matt yelled. We started running down the bank of the river, trying to make it back to where we had rappelled down the cliff as quickly as possible. I felt horrible for leaving Nigel to whatever was happening to him in there, 
but my own sense of self-preservation was stronger than the urge to stick my neck out for someone I barely knew. When we reached the rappelling gear, David had a hard time clipping himself into the safety rope, so we helped strap him in, and then quickly began climbing up the wire ladder that was anchored at the top of the cliff. Matt and I had reached the top long before David, and we looked over the side, ready to help pull him up if necessary. He was climbing slow and steady, likely doing a horrible amount of damage to his hand in the process. I realized after a moment that I could hear him whispering. It sounded like his normal voice again, but what he was saying was anything but normal. Please, please make it stop. It hurts. It's hurting me. Please help. He repeated over and over quietly. I could hear Matt breathing heavily beside me, and I tore my eyes away from David long enough to briefly meet Matt's gaze. We shared a silent moment where we both confirmed that the other person was actually hearing the same thing. As soon as David was in arm's reach, we grabbed him and hauled him up as fast as possible, continuing to book it out of the cave. It seemed like a lifetime before we actually got out of there. My anxiety was so high the entire time, and it felt like we were being watched. I was sure that at any moment, something was going to grab us and drag us back down to the depths of the cavern. Even when we reached the sunlight, the feeling of dread had not left me. On the way to take David to the hospital, I started to question myself. What if Nigel was right and David had just injured himself somehow? What if my imaginative mind had run away with me and that orb was nothing other than a strange rock formation? What if Nigel had gotten hurt and a rock fell on him and we ran away like scared children and left him to die? What if he was waiting down there calling out for us and we just ran off? David had barely said a few words since getting to the hospital. We called the police and told them that an accident had happened and someone was stuck in the cave. They took my and Matt's statements and called for a search and rescue unit to try to retrieve Nigel from the cave. We told them in great detail about everything that had happened, but I left out the part about the orb because I didn't want them to think I was crazy. Everything felt back to normal now that we were out among people and safe, far away from the cave. The guilt was swallowing me up about leaving Nigel behind, and I was cursing myself for the crazy thought that some sort of monster had gotten him. Now that I was thinking rationally, I started to think that I must have had a mental breakdown. I was being irrational and probably caused someone's death because of it. When we were finally allowed to go back to the hospital room to see David, a police officer was taking his statement. We stopped outside the door silently to give them some space, and I quickly peeked in the doorway. The officer was looking down at his notebook, writing down what David was saying. He was talking normally, not sounding strange at all. He immediately noticed I was there, even though he couldn't see me. He looked in my direction, and a chill swept over me. 
making me shudder. My breath caught in my throat as I watched his frown turn into a vicious smile. Whatever that thing is, it isn't David anymore. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, please visit creepypod.com. If you'd like to submit a story for consideration or recommend a story, please see our submission page at creepypod.com slash submissions. All stories told on this podcast are done so through Creative Commons share-alike licensing or with written consent from the authors. No portion of this podcast may be rebroadcast or otherwise distributed without the express written consent of the Creepy Podcast production team and the story's author. Item number SCP-5186. SCP-7160. SCP-7533. Object class. Euclid. Keter. Safe. Special containment procedures. <laughs> Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust. <laughs> the only thing I could hear was at 7219 <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Do you remember your name? Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.